0: Okay, what's going on, guys? So, this is episode two of uh, Inspired with Cameron Stevens, and we've got a very special guest today. We've got the human wrecking ball, Newfoundland wrestling. Should I call him a Newfoundland wrestling legend? I don't know. I think I should. Um, One of the biggest dudes I've ever been across the ring from. He is absolutely solid. The human wrecking ball, Buck Gotch. How are you doing, brother?
1: Hello, world. Hello, Cam. How are we? We're doing very
0: good. Very good. Welcome to Inspired Episode 2. And when I spoke to you about what your uh, main inspirations were, you had explained to me how it was very difficult for you to choose one specific person, character, anything to choose as like this was something that inspired me the most. It was more so the professional wrestling industry as a whole. And I, I absolutely love that because obviously um, I can relate, <laughs> but uh, so let's go into that. Uh, what are some of your biggest inspirations, both personally and professionally? And uh, we'll obviously go into professional wrestling. Um, however, uh, I'm very curious as to see what, um, what your favorite influences were outside of wrestling when it comes to whether like Buck Gotch in the ring or, uh, you, the person.
1: So growing up was a little bit weird for me, especially kind of like until I got old enough to just kind of realize who I was and put everything up that way, like, and stuff like that a lot. Now, it, half it was stupid enough to be, like, my fault and just not reading social systems and not knowing people's triggers, but I'd always say a lot of stupid things. But to me, in the three different high schools I went to, there was always one teacher, there was Mr. Doyle and Mobile, there was uh, Trudy down in Brother T.I., and Mr. Barron and Holy Harris, that they kind of looked past all the other stupid shit and just kind of always ended up talk to me, believe me, push me, see what I wanted. And outside of wrestling, they were three major influences on me just to be like, well, these guys kind of believed in me. Another thing is, as a whole, would have been choices for youth. They were a company that helps teenagers and young people when they're in really bad situations. And they took me and they helped me. And if not for those influences, those people outside of wrestling, I probably wouldn't be here coherent enough to have a conversation in my house. Like I've done a lot of things and I don't think without the help of my choices or those teachers that I mentioned, they wouldn't really, there wouldn't be much for me to say much to say that inspired me.
0: Okay. And it, it sounds like that uh, sort of led you down the right path. How did you, uh, how did you get in with choices?
1: Uh the long story short of just a shitty situation with family, uh, a friend of mine I'd known was on Choices, Had to go there with them one day, and then when my situation got really bad, I just kind of showed up on Choices' doorstep and went, here's what it is, boys, this is where I'm to right now in my life. And they set me up with a family and schooling, and because I came from uh, Up in Bay Bulls. About a half an hour, forty-five minutes outside of town. So, choice being in town, it was a bit of a culture shock for me. I Always growing around around the bay, and not really having the availability to see all the different things. And like in high school, I was in Mobile. It was six grades. There was three hundred people. I went to Holy Heart. It was three grades and twelve hundred people. So, Mm -hmm. like the stuff you were noticed for in one school, nobody really gave a fuck in the other school, right? Like
0: for sure. yeah and uh when it comes to like your experiences with choices how do you think that uh helped you both personally like when it comes to when you got out of that program and obviously when you got out of the program you were a grown adult by then um how would you say the lessons you learned in choices helped you get through struggles you faced as an adult
1: so choices really instilled in me school, go to school, get it done. It was always important no matter what you did, no matter what career choice, it was always make sure you had that piece of paper because that piece of paper is important, whether it's a hospital diploma, your GED, but it shows that honestly, you can put up with the bullshit of being told what to do enough to get that piece of paper. They are always, no matter what I did, they always harped me on that and they made sure and they used to put in little incentives, say you went to school and they pay you if you were at so many percentages of days of school and you got topped up for so much. They kept the focus even when I was too old for the program, because usually the cutoff was 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a friend of mine was still there and they saw me pushing, choices always went above me and beyond for me when they never had to. So like to me, it was always I, anytime they've ever reached out for me, I said, boss, what do you need? I'd, I'll come down, I'll work this, I'll say this, I'll do this Like, It's always it's always going to have a spot in my heart Because like, I know the good work that they do If you want to take advantage of that good work
0: Absolutely And I mean, obviously uh, When I first met you, you were
1: uh, working down
0: Jesus, uh, what was the uh, company you were with at
1: the time? OSL was the name in the Walmart
0: Yeah, yeah And uh, I remember going down and uh, visiting you on a fairly uh, semi-somewhat regular basis whenever I was around, Uh, came by with the kids every now and then. Uh, Since then, since uh, the pandemic hit and things kind of slowed down with all that, how has everything been? Um, Like, how has the lessons you learned in choices and stuff like that sort of helped you get through the um sort of hurry up and wait of what the pandemic has been putting on everybody
1: so even even with all that stuff it was always had me ready to uh, i'll say the cliche expect the unexpected mm-hmm. but you never knew what was going to come you always had to be prepared you always had to be ready when the pandemic happened, if anything, I took from choices was they were always telling me, because well, there's always curveballs that are come into your lifestyle. Whether that was you expecting you to get a check that day or the weather is supposed to be nice. And you always had to adapt and change, but in the same breath, always stay. There's got to be something you believe in. So, like, don't kill your morals for work, don't let work spoil you don't let bad decisions screw up your decisions and your hobbies or your work or your life or anything like that. It's always trying to think and understanding that the decisions that I made, I got to stand by them because if I make a dumb decision or if I say something stupid and I don't understand what I've done wrong and don't, oh, I'm sorry, or no, you're right. I was wrong. There's a difference in being, doing something and, Knowing you did something wrong, after the fact, somebody tell you and you understanding and accepting, and trying your best to rectify the situation, or doing something wrong and just be like, "I don't give a fuck." Mm -hmm. Choices help install that to me: like good, bad, or indifferent. If I do something, I do something, and don't shy away from it. If somebody has a problem, you tell them. You you reach an understanding, like they made me more human-like sounds stupid but the emotions more of if you're going to do something do it and yeah. if people don't like you people don't like you but if you feel justified in your actions and they're not wrong actions it doesn't matter if other people get hurt yeah like, not uh, physically hurt but i mean like if somebody's going to get mad at you it's not my fault that you're mad at me because i'm doing something that i feel is right
0: Yeah, I understand that completely. How would you say that mentality helped you in the wrestling industry? Obviously, I know how uh, wrestling as a whole inspired you and influenced you, and we're definitely going to touch on that. But uh, speaking about being in the wrestling industry, how did the lessons you learned from those teachers, from choices, how did those um, things that they instilled in you help you uh, get through struggles when it came to wrestling?
1: So even when first starting wrestling, it was more of a... It's a culture shock to a lot of people that haven't been part of a wrestling show. And whether that is you're a wrestler, or you're a manager, or you're a referee, or you're a character outside of that curtain, once you come through that curtain, it's a different mood, it's a different atmosphere, it's a different feeling. So like the first, I'll say, dozen shows I ever did, and this was well before Buck Gotch was a thing, this was just regular Buck back in 2002, it was walk through, and it was, oh, like the, the kind of like panic attack, and just getting used to it. Choices always helped me just center myself, and you know, you want you want just go take it. I wanted to do the wrestling stuff. They were like, "Well, then go do it," because it was around that time frame too. that choices knew what I was doing, so mm-hmm. I didn't care. And they were like, "Just follow your dreams. Just make sure you don't get hurt." Like, doing like working at a Walmart and selling phones was always, mm-hmm. oh, you're doing that wrestling stuff, you're going to hurt yourself. That job I had, if I had to get any kind of seriously hurt that wasn't bound to a wheelchair, and even still bound to a wheelchair, I was able to do my job easily. But it was always not being afraid to try mm-hmm. these new things. To We'll touch on the different gimmicks. Everything before Buck Gotch was just kind of me putting my feet in the water and getting wet and seeing what that feeling was like and not letting it be scared and, and knowing I can push through, Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, so how did you eventually get into the industry? I know you, uh, you and uh, Travis used to go to the shows all the time or uh, whatever. Uh, how did you eventually get into the industry at, from the behind-the-scenes aspect?
1: Uh, so one of the guys, uh, his name's Jerry O'Neill, him, uh, Justin Aylward, Andrew Hawkins, uh, a lot of these guys went to school, a couple of communities up from me from mobile. And mm-hmm. across from all around the bay, towns know each other. So we all kind of became friends or spoke and hung out. And Jerry was going out to see Fred Brophy, uh, Freddie Youngblood, Zach's uncle. Oh, Trance, and yes. through that way, I kind of got invited out to one of the shows one day and just, they knew I was a big wrestling fan, just like them. And from there, it just kind of slowly migrated to doing this and showing up the train and setting up the ring and, uh, being one of those young boys is the easy way to explain it with no other purpose outside of this is cool, this is what I want to do. I would say it's funny now the young people, the young people now got no clue how lucky it is wrestling. When we had to pay a membership to stand in the crowd if you wanted to be a wrestler. And now they and it's just handed to them and they get like young fellas now. I don't know how lucky they got us. <laughs> like, it's just funny more than anything else. Oh,
0: absolutely. So, who would you say, like, when you first came in, were the guys that helped uh, take you under their wing?
1: Uh, initially, in terms of guys that were actually speaking to, and, like, to me, knowing what I know now back then, just the guys that were around the wall, uh, Darren Lewis, uh, he, he wrestles Darren Storm, uh, John Bennis, uh, Chris Howlett, who wrestles Little C. Uh, three of them, right off the bat, were the first that came to my head. That they were the ones that came to me. Uh, John Maller, Johnny Chaos, as well. That they saw me and it was this young little fella, and they were just kind of helping and, and they'd say stuff. And like you brought up Travis too, and I was there. Travis was there. Uh, there was a Lance Stahl out there as well. Just the three of the trainees that kind of evolved into it. But these yep. guys, kind of, for me, listen to my nonsense. Listen to my bullshit. And if it was something cool, they said it. If it was something that wasn't cool or just sounded really stupid, they'd be like, well, that's kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Okay, can you justify your dumb? Okay, nice try. Or, yeah, if you can't justify why are you doing it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when it comes to, obviously, growing up, you eventually grew to watch wrestling all the time. Uh, what about the wrestling on tv that you've seen that made you wow i need to do this i love this this is like what about it inspired you to maybe even make it through the struggles you were going through that day
1: even because ever since we talked about me doing this i was thinking about it and to put a time frame on stuff i can vividly remember would have been around four or five years old so like the 89 90s Hogan's still on his big upswing with the Ultimate Wars, this new colorful character coming in. Uh, Saturdays used to be the best time to watch wrestling because it was Saturday afternoons. You'd yep. get the scatter. And I was lucky enough because not a lot of people had it. But me, growing up, we had TBS up our way on our cable package that not a lot of companies places in Newfoundland, I should say, got that channel. So I always managed to get WCW Saturday Night 2. Mostly jobbers and stuff like that. But, like, growing up, I had Saturday morning was WWF. Saturday night was WCW. Uh, When the Raz got big in 93 and the Nitro's in 95, TSN used to show them. It was always, I could get lost into the characters. Starting with the Hulk Hogan's, of this guy's a superhero. Like, look at him. And then you look at people like the Undertaker. Frightened the shit out of me. Absolutely scary. But you'd never be able to look away because... In the same breath of your Bret Hart's that are great technical wrestlers and Rashawn Michaels, you got people like Hulk Hogan and the Undertaker who are well over the top characters and everything about it was all flashy colors. It was all large and life characters. And no matter what happened in my day to day life, I could watch that and get lost. And Oh no, that evil Papa Shango's coming out. and oh, he, he did some food who cursed on the ultimate warrior. Like, everything in my life didn't matter because I could be able to get lost in wrestling and watch the shows and read the magazines and, and and play with the figures and and do everything in the fantasy world.
0: Absolutely. So when the video game started coming out, speaking to, uh, uh, how it kind of gave you that fantasy world, that escape, I absolutely wholeheartedly understand that because in a lot of ways it was the same thing for me. Um, When the video games started coming out and the uh, action figures were always on the go, what would you say was the main thing? Like you would always like to do as the escape. Like what were the stories you were telling as a kid? Because we all had them.
1: (laughs) So, for because you kind of got to, and I got to date myself for the age when I think about how actually long it was ago. It depends on what system you had. You had a regular Nintendo, you played WWF WrestleMania, and you knew there was only five or six guys, so you kind of had to go through your own thing. When you got into the Super Nintendo ones, it was more... Graphics were a little bit better, the rosters were a little bit bigger, but you couldn't really do much that way. I found until you got to the Nintendo 64 games, 98, 99, 2000, and that's peak for me being 12, 13, 14 years old. And they had their... If you didn't want to do your own things in your head, they had their storyline modes that gave you this invested in it was cool, and there was always replay value that way. Yeah. If not, a WrestleMania 2000, make my own belts, create characters that aren't normally in the game, whether they're with another feds, like or it was like say you wanted Spiderman or you. It was always dependent on when I turned it on that day, who I saw first, and then you first, first see, oh he could fight him this would be a good match, or this should be title on the line, like, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And speaking uh, to the video games and stuff like that, um, have you seen anything about the uh, 2K22 coming out? Are you uh, at all interested in that game, intrigued at all?
1: I didn't get last year's because it was absolute dog crap for all the glitches and stuff. I still got 19. I very rarely poke at it. But I needed a couple of years to kind of be like, okay, I can't strap $100 on a wrestling game here now, but they're saying everything's fixed. And between the new WWE game, because I'm a big WWE fan, plus yes. AEW's got a video game coming out. I want to say within the next year that they're working on to make it like that old nostalgia, no mercy style. And so that they making very uh-huh. curious. However, the control style is on that is going to be great. But even still for that, especially for this generation now, you got – WWE puts out a halfway decent video game. AEW puts out a halfway decent video game. you got a whole new generation that just sees video games now, and that could be their first introduction into wrestling.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, like, right? I knew a lot of buddies back when I was a kid. Uh, they would never sit down and watch wrestling with me, but they wouldn't mind playing the wrestling games.
1: It's different. Right? Cause you, you know wrestling's fake. Look at it there. But if you pick up a video game, all that looks some real. Eh, pick a fucking side, boss. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> no kidding. Well, well, I would like to uh, thank you for joining us there, uh, Ed Fries, two thousand two. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and feel free to come check out the rest of the show uh, whenever you get a chance. Uh, so, Buck. Yeah. When it uh, comes to the uh, introduction to wrestling and stuff like that, uh, you mentioned quite a few guys. Your characters, when it came to the step-by-step growth of the Buck Gotch character, um, obviously uh, we had a comment on Facebook uh, wanted me to ask you where the cabbage came from, what the idea on that was.
1: Okay, uh, so, so i spoke start there. To the, the whole thought process. Yeah, yeah, I'll go back to the whole thought. Uh, so, when C.W. reopened back in 2011, the idea was thrown around that we embrace my family, the mm-hmm. Gotch family. Frank yep. Gotch at this time was 136 years old. The reason... Frank Gotch was 136 years old, because that's a real fucking number, was his steady diet of healthy sexual appetite with any kind of woman, and Iowa cabbage. So Axel, uh, Adam Peddle was our brother-cousin, because he wasn't an official kid, but he was still part of the family. Scott Scott was the chosen one, and I was... Without being an idiot, I'll say I was Eugene. And anybody that watches wrestling will understand what that means. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Oh, Buck was real special. <laughs> when, when that character first came around, Buck was real special. What they gave me, the cabbage, as in because I was so special, I had that special power, that the special strength power. Yeah, so yeah. If, you went, if you went to fuck with the cabbage, I might not have been all there, but I was going to mess you up. Like, just yeah. make strong and throw you away. So, and the funny thing about it, I fucking hate cabbage. <laughs> Absolutely hate it. And the first time they said it to me, I just stopped and I was like, Are you fucking kidding me? Why? What's wrong with it? I, I don't like it. You, th- you think you can do it anyways? Is this what? You know what? Fuck it. Let, let's try it. And we did the first two CEW rebirth shows and we cooked the cabbage. I don't know about you, Cam, and I don't know about anybody that's actually listening, but if you cook cabbage and you leave it in a pot for six hours in a locker room, it fucking stinks. (laughs) So you'd leave the cover on and every now and then you'd you'd lift up the cover and close it right quick, and then you'd watch everybody in the locker room go from big smiles to absolutely disgusted looks on their face because all they got was the smell of cabbage. After the second show, we realized it was a bad idea and we just started bringing like raw cabbages. So I, and that was hard enough as it was taking a bite of a raw cabbage when you don't like it. At least when it was cooked, it'd get all squishy and stuff. <laughs> but raw cabbage, it was like, uh, but yeah, that's what it was. It was the family. There's people now that still call me the cabbage man. There's people now that still say the cabbage thing, because we went from 20, the end of 2011 till 2017. So six, years' word of shows, however frequent or frequent they were, that Cabbage thing was, like, drilled into people's heads. And it was, it kind of helped with the character of Buck Gotch because, like, he wasn't that big, mean guy at that point. And just wholeheartedly, he protected Cabbage. He protected his family's Cabbage. Like, he was the most innocent, sweet guy ever. <laughs> and then 2 wrestling got to him.
0: I feel like that's the uh, more uh, realistic to the person version of the Buck Gotch character, to be perfectly honest.
1: Yeah, you trade cabbage with marijuana, and that's basically it.
0: <laughs> so, how would you say the Buck Gotch character evolved to this aggressive, hateful,
1: just nasty big dude? Even even when it was suggested to me that maybe Buck is bigger and stronger and angrier than he's led on to believe for so many years, I was kind of hesitant about it. But it was just kind of playing through it, and different things happened inside wrestling, and then different situations happened outside of wrestling that it just seemed like maybe Buck is big and bad and strong and mean and angry. and. Every single thing, because you didn't get the fun of the, the first Buck Right? Yeah. Like the first Buck as foolish as it was. I remember one match and uh, the boy suggested it. It was great. The match goes to start. The bell rings and I go, Wait, I got to tinkle. And leave the ring and run to the bathroom and, <laughs> and wait a couple of minutes. He to have to come back out. As I come out, TJ Taylor's working me that night. And TJ was always so good for this stuff. And he'd scream and he'd stop. Did you wash your hands? And again, nothing that me and TJ really planned out out of that extra stuff. And it was, oh, and then I'd look at my hands and pretend like they were wet. And then me and TJ would run around the ring and jump trying <laughs> to get them wet. Like, so every little thing, aspect that made gotch fun, I wanted to take it away. I always bright green, waving and smiling. My gear changed to all black. I used to wear one boot, one sneaker because it was funny. Straight boat boots, clapping hands, I didn't do none of it. My song changed from this happy go lucky circus song to this creepy, twisted fucking clown stuff. Like yeah. even even still now, whether I'm wrestling or I'm not wrestling, if I'm that bad guy, don't ask me to sign stuff. I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. And then you're gonna be like, well, why? You're mean, and I'm like, fucking great, you understand how this works. Like <laughs> Buck special buck I just loved that everybody loved him that mean buck gotch, if you liked him, he had to do something to make you not like him. A good, not a lot of people want to be bad guys anymore. Or if they want to be bad guys, they want to be this, oh, I'm this cool bad guy. But fuck, I want you to hate me. I want to be that bad guy that, because even that, like as much as you hate bad guys when you watch wrestling, I hated Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. I loved it every time he got his ass kicked. You know what I mean? Like as those examples. So for me, looking at that way, Happy Bococci, special Bococci gave all these kids these cool little things and these moments that they loved and stuff. Mean Bococci, when they leave, they're going to be like, that guy was a dick. Don't curse, but he was, Mom. Like, what do you want me to say here? (laughs) Good.
0: Yeah, I've uh, I've definitely heard that one a few times. Uh, Between you and Tony, uh, you guys were uh, getting good reactions there from from the people for your – hateful behavior um
1: I mean, so much more fun and that's a another thing that helps i, I because it going on the theme of inspiring it facebook got gotcha was inspiring because i know there's still some special needs kids that i'll see and regardless of buck gotcha's mean or buck gotcha's happy they absolutely love buck and even when i had one kid come up to me how come you did what you did when you turned on scotty i'll wait because job is dumped a truck full of money in my on my front line. And the kid stopped and he was like, yeah, no, that makes sense. That's like a 10-year-old <laughs> kid, right? Like, I'm just <laughs> like, ah, oh, okay, you kind of get it. You're 10. Your lemonade stand's going to be a bit more aggressive, but you kind of get it now. <laughs> like, <laughs> but even that stuff, whether it was heel or Facebook, catch for me, heels and faces inspired me because it was the characters. And I know that there's people that have come to local wrestling shows in Newfoundland that it's made enough of a difference. I've gone to birthday parties where the kids specifically was like, oh I'm Buck. I never ever thought that it'd be a point that somebody specifically was like, I'd like Buck to be here because I really enjoyed Buck as a character, good, bad, or indifferent. That mm-hmm. that stuff really hit and really enjoyed it. And kind of made more anything else worth it. I could have my fun with all my friends and be an idiot all at once. But the fact that somebody actually enjoyed the character and it made them happy, and it made them come to shows. That was all that, in hindsight, that's all that ever really mattered.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when uh, you look at your inspirations for the in-ring aspect of Buck Gotch, um, the original uh, iteration of Buck, the happy-go-lucky Buck, who would you say was the biggest inspiration for that uh, style, that version of Buck? Was it a U- big Eugene influence?
1: It was just because I saw how it used to work for WWE. And yes, it's a bigger jump of a scale when you're talking about 10,000 fans and 100 fans. As the, you know what I mean? As number. But it was more, to me, it was the mannerisms. Like, Eugene to do the wave and do the clap and they were told sold straight from eugene that wave and that clap were so easy because they didn't have to do much Mm -hmm. and you meet one kid's eyes and you just go hi i'm buck and i used to do the voice and an incident happened and i stopped doing the voice because and that was kind of that was another thing it was like when i said that when i used to do the buck gotch voice and somebody did the voice back and it wasn't just them pretending it was their actual voice i was like yeah no it's got to stop. <laughs> at least that yeah. aspect anyways. But Eugene was always, it was easy to look at. And then it was outside of Eugene, it wasn't just one regular person. Buck Cox was a comedy character. So he wrestled like a comedy character. So to go find Crash Holly, to go find early Mikey Whipwreck, to go find these guys that and always big anyways, but it wasn't a big aspect of them. It was Not what they did is how they did it. People get in the ring all the time. Buck got used to trip up in the rope. Right? And it was just a little stuff like that, that even still, when you evolve from happy Buck to mean Buck, even look at Eugene when Eugene was a bad guy for two or three weeks. The reason it didn't really get over because it didn't really change much of Eugene's inspiration. So, me looking at Eugene, all them comedy wrestlers for Buck Ops worked. But the second Buck became bad, then I had to look at people like Bam Bam Bigelow and King Kong Bundy and, and Big Show more than anybody else. Everybody always, oh, look, Big Ball Goatee, that's Buck Show. Haha, <laughs> funny. But no, really. Like, he was the one to look at it. Like, even sometimes, how I'd, somebody'd hit me with a move. If you watch how Big Show would land, I'd always try to land like Big Show because to me, Big was a big fella, and if he could do it, there's no fucking reason I couldn't at least attempt to try to land on my face gracefully. Like,
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, when it came to the guys you were working in the ring with, who would you say were some of your favorite guys you worked in the ring with?
1: Most, uh, as stupid as it sounds, most everybody I worked with, I had fun with one way or another. But even as Angry Buck I was always, the young fellas were given to me. I, I'm big, and it hurts sometimes when I hit you. But there's, some of the young fellas, they got stuck with me. Tim, you know what? You were one of them. If you hit me in the face, what was going to happen? Ow. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Like, I always loved working with young fellas. I loved working with you because you were so much fun because you were adaptable. It was what are we gonna do here? Uh, uh okay, let's try this. And even in the ring, it was always something, this is working, do this again. Oh, yeah. light you up more. Hit me like, it like it was just adaptability. In there and yeah. like if I went through names, it'd be like, I loved working TJ Taylor. TJ Taylor was new, he was young, and he knew what he was doing. Yeah. I loved talking working Jack Carson. I loved being entangled in with Mark Cranenberg, uh, Chuck Ferguson. He yeah. and these were three young guys in the early CW that was they listened, they liked it, they wanted to do it. When I did the run in NEW and we were fighting all the mask guys, I was given CPU as a main feud, and CPU is my baby. I was given Newfie Bullet, who's been fucking around forever under what name he wanted to do and he was really smart with it, and I was given Kyoki. And Kioki has said it before too in his broken English, that Anytime he wrestled me, if he stiffed me, he didn't worry. I enjoyed working all the young people because get your stiffs out, boys. I'm going to get punched in the head. I don't really care. If you can work them out on me, there is people wrestling that aren't going to be as forgiving with a stiff. And yeah. there's people like me that you stiff me and it's like, oh, that sucked. Try it this way. How about try this? And I've stiffed you. I've, I've stiffed people like Don and, and TJ and St. Breakers. It's just... It accidentally happens. The only difference was always how you responded to it. Right? Absolutely. Oh, bang. If you stiffed me and then you didn't say anything, or you stiffed me and you were like, oh, I'm so sorry. Or if I stiffed you and I went, I'm sorry, and you came back and stiffed me one enough to be like, "Ah, oh, we're caught up now. Okay, we're even again. Let's go back to home. Like, it, it was just the mindset of it more than anything else, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. So my answer would be, I loved working all the young fellas. These young fellas were still fresh enough that they had to get their kinks out and on built like a a concrete slab in the head. So, like, it was just easy.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So when you were uh, first coming in, who would you say sort of helped mold the Buck Gotch character both in and out of the ring?
1: Until I really realized what was going on and how to portray characters. I honestly got to give all the credit. Are we having
0: a technical difficulty here?
1: No. Can you hear me?
0: Oh,
1: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're good. Yeah. I can see you. Can you see me? I'm going to keep talking because it's saying live. Um, Yeah. Uh, honestly, in the, in the beginning before... Here we go. In the beginning before I realized Dan Goss and Don... Martin, Don Martini, were really two because I was still trying to come into my own and figure out how it worked. And they were the two that were kind of like, you should try this, you should do this. And I'd say something, they're going to be like, why? Not that it was good or bad, but it was like, why would you do that? And why are you doing it here? So they always kept me thinking about stuff. I remember there was a time another fad was opening up and they wanted me to do the show, but they wanted me to do a different character. And Don and Dan were like, well, why? You just spent X amount of years doing Buck gotch. Why would you go do something else that'll kind of ruin that aspect to it? And I stopped and I thought about it. And because I was going to hold the show, and there was no, you're right. Like, it's just going to look, if this is Ontario, if this is Alberta, if this is Nova Scotia, where there is seven to 15 feds around within a 200-mile radius, yeah, you could probably get away with doing. This is Newfoundland, and there's one fed on the go. And every couple of years, you'll get a second fed and start up around here. Doing a different character and a different fed is kind of is counterproductive to anything that you've done up until that point. If you're not going to do a split personality gimmick, I'll say that they're two different characters,
0: yeah, for sure. Um, I have an idea for some point during this episode for you and me to react to our match.
1: Uh, which one?
0: Uh, which one do I have? I have the one from Bonavista.
1: Oh, our first one.
0: Our first one. Well, okay. So we can do that in a, in a moment. Um for the time being we can keep discussing our uh, our inspirations influences here on Inspired with Cameron Stevens. If you're just joining us, uh, I'm here with the human wrecking ball Buck Gotch um, formerly known as the special monster for the Gotch family.
1: I wasn't even a monster I wasn't even and that's a funny thing. I've always been 6'2 I've always been 400 pounds but Special Buck gotcha was never looked at as a monster. Never. No? No. But even still, I used to wrestle people. I don't really want to say names, but I used to wrestle people. And, like, there's certain people I wrestled that should have known the difference that didn't. And, like, until I became bad Buck gotcha, people were like, why are you doing these things that would stop me and make me think this goes from believable character to just." Sideshow, and I, and I wanted that, that Transition a lot better Had I known Now what I'd known with Happy Bokach I still wouldn't have changed anything But it would have gave me a better insight On some other things down the road
0: Yeah, absolutely um, And when it comes to Obviously you said uh, Big Show was a great influence For your in-ring um, have you seen much of his uh commentary work with AEW? I haven't had a chance to look at much of it, but
1: it's a color commentator that used to be a wrestler that is funny, but now he's doesn't have WWE handcuffing him, good, bad, or indifferent. WWE knows what they want in a product, you're gonna yeah. let people go out and be free reign. Some people can go out and be free reign and do it properly. And some people go out and be free reign and do it terribly. And you're never going to know until you do it. So far, so good for me. Like like watching Evolution and stuff. So far, so good.
0: Is that something you would ever have any interest in, uh, doing a commentary thing? Because you've been out of the ring for a little bit here now. Are you considering yourself retired?
1: I I always said that I'd work with any fan if the situation had to arise. Some situations arise, some situations haven't. And tidbit, if you listen to the first couple of episodes of any TV that went up on MTV, I, me and Travis were the commentators. So I've done Commentator before and loved it, and that was just as fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Is that something you would want to look into doing for like future uh possibilities maybe if say a new fed started up or uh you know there was a company around that wanted a commentator or something like that would you ever be
1: uh, interested if i know i could do it and have fun and no drama i'd be it.
0: absolutely and uh one of our uh comments just came in uh Saying that you are one of the best big men in Newfoundland ever. And man, I got to agree. Very good at what you do. And uh, unfortunately, shit happens is what it is. Uh, We don't need to get into all that here.
1: (laughs) It it don't need to be got it anymore. I had a lot of fun at wrestling. And if I ever do wrestle again, cool. But, like, I've had more memories that were fun and I've made more friendships now from the little time I was wrestling. It's fine. Like, coming to terms on, it kind of sucks because it is still a very big love of mine, wrestling, whether that's watching wrestling, whether it's playing video games, talking about it like this, like any other way. Wrestling's always going to be a love of me. So no matter what aspect or avenue I take to do wrestling, it's still going to be a major part of my life. Yeah, it doesn't suck not throwing around my buddies. Yeah. But half the time, a lot of camaraderie of the show days. It's not even the show itself. It's not the seven minutes that I go out and be buck It's the whole day of being around you the boys. And seeing all the boys that you don't get to see, because this is the day that dedicated to them. And I, I'm, when I say boys, fully understand I'm I'm talking about like say Nick Hillier. I'll give him an example. Guys that did the Photography and security. Steve Heritage, shout out
0: and, Nick, if you're watching for some odd reason, Nick, shout out your best kind,
1: right? It, even still, like, and the generic term of saying, the boys. To me, Vera, Tank, they're they're the boys, right? Absolutely. The, the characters, like every person that you see during those shows during that day, is always something. Seeing seeing the people set up the march and doing the chairs and talking to the people at the venue that you probably wouldn't know until you did shows there like you make these weird friendships all the time the wrestling and i was very very grateful and very very blessed to make the friendships i did and have the time that i did and if i never wrestle again i'll always be thankful for that stuff well,
0: and i'm happy to hear that uh you're in a good mindset when it comes to all that um I know you've been doing your own uh, podcast here as of late. What uh, it, it's wrestling related, if
1: I'm not mistaken, correct? I hope so. The name of the show is the Wrestling Show with Slezy the Fat Man. So I hope it's wrestling related.
0: <laughs> so where do you, where do you guys usually air your show? Because I'll be honest, I've here heard you speak of it. I've heard you tell me about it. I've never actually been able to find
1: it. I don't know if it's still being put up to YouTube. I know they're on Spotify and they're on the Gear Network. Okay, All right,
0: and it's uh, the wrestling show with
1: Lazy, lazy and Fatman. Fat
0: Tremendous! I love that name. Oh, you're Fred Dursting it now.
1: Oh yeah, I got to red hat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Um, so with the, uh, obviously when you were a kid, who were some of your uh, favorites when it came to watching wrestling? Like, obviously you'd watch the Saturday shows, uh, both Saturday morning, WWF, uh, Saturday evening, WCW. What would your, uh, what would you say your favorite, uh, wrestlers were your favorite stories, stuff, so little, uh, even stuff
1: like that? Evolving. Uh, the generic answer is always going to be Hulk Hogan, because Hulk Hogan forever in a day will be, I fucking bleed red and yellow, man. Hulk Hogan is, is the man. Um, I, I touched on The Undertaker earlier being scary, but always just being enamored by him and just being like, what is he going to do? Like Even now, The Undertaker, when I was a kid thinking about it, I used to hate playing the Super Nintendo Royal Rumble. Because the Undertaker's music in 8-bit sounded just as fucking creepy, <laughs> like, and I was like, oh if you're gonna pick him, pick him quick. I don't want to hear that stuff. I uh, loved Michaels. I was one of the few that kind of. I was the older brother, but I was more of a fan of Owen Hart than I was of Bret Hart during that whole storyline. I liked Owen, right? And that was always a real weird people thing. Be like, how would you? You're the bigger brother. How do you not like Bret? Because I fucking like Owen.
0: Because like, <laughs> like,
1: Owen's awesome. That's how. <laughs> Owen, to me, Owen was a better wrestler, and Owen was a better character. But so, at, at nine and ten, difference. Now I know that the two of them are really good, but at nine and ten, you don't understand really the difference of what's a better character, we'll call it, because you don't really know what you're looking for per se. You know what you like, you know what you don't like. I fucking love the Bushwhackers. Doesn't mean the Bushwhackers are going to be main events <laughs> and world champions, like sure,
0: yeah, um. Touching on that time frame, um, you were obviously very into the hearts. Were you – who was your choice over Brett or Sean?
1: Oh, Sean. Okay, so Uh, – It's funny because that used to get a lot of heat from people. They're like, would you like Brett or Sean? I'm like, Sean. Why? Well, Sean was more athletic. Sean had more of a character-driven – And any time I heard Shawn Michaels speak on a microphone compared to seeing Bret Hart speak on a microphone, until Bret turned heel, Bret was really robotic on the mic. Shawn Michaels knew how to captivate you. But, again, for me, I can't say anything about anybody else, right?
0: Absolutely. It's funny. I actually had that same conversation here recently (laughs) to to the same reaction. (laughs) Cause I'm also a uh, a Sean guy. When I was younger, I was a Brett guy. But uh, the reason I was a Brett guy when I was younger, cause I liked them both the exact same. There there was no one was better than the other for me. They were ju- they were just as good as each other, just for different reasons, right? But what had Brett get the edge was he was Canadian.
1: <laughs> I fucking knew it. I was gonna say the only reason Brett won was he was Canadian, then wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I was like, they I were just as like good that, as each other, but Brett was Canadian, so he always had my uh, my cheers. Um, that was also one of like the it. reasons I really, like, when I was a kid, I always wanted to cheer for the Canadian wrestlers because there weren't as many Canadians as there were Americans on the roster, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: one of the Canadians that I really gravitated towards was the Canadian Crippler, Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit. Did his work uh, influence you at all? When it, like, Did you enjoy his stuff? Was that uh, your style
1: of wrestling? So, are we just... Uh, uh, yes, no, but are we just going to pretend that what happened didn't happen when we had this conversation? Because I really feel like... It's... Okay, I liked Chris Benoit. I mm-hmm. still do enjoy Chris Benoit's work. Regardless of what happens to Chris Benoit in those four days, that the, the horrific shit, yeah. Chris Benoit's a worker. At no point should you be able to take any of that away from him. He was a fantastic worker. He was intense. He wasn't big, but he was that tough, brawling style. I like Benoit in WCW, all right. I like Benoit more in WWE, and it was just... He just had that feud with The Rock, and I want to say ninety nine, two thousand, where mm-hmm. like they kept teasing Benoit winning the belt, but it was the match got restarted. Oh, he won the belt, but the match got restarted like that. Benoit, when Shane was directing him, you could—he was one of the if you wanted to say handful of people that Benoit would have a match with a Broomstick, and you yep. wouldn't notice that it was a broomstick.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, going through the years as you got older, um, and obviously having jobs, going to shows and stuff like that, uh, a lot of your time was taken up that wasn't taken up when you were younger. Um, what, uh, what would you say was the wrestling that stood out to you once you were an adult was the stuff that sort of, wow, I really like this. I need to watch this.
1: ECW, really, because in that time frame, you're looking at me being 13, 14, and 15 years old. And that, that kind of team. Yeah, yeah. You're like, being 12, 13, and 14 is 98, 99, 2000. Okay. Right. And it was like fun that stuff. I used to find myself, if I couldn't watch wrestling, I'd always run to the computer lab at school the next day when I knew a show was on. Because I knew some website, some dirt sheet, had results up. And as much as the Internet, we're on it now doing it, as much as the Internet is heart wrestling, it did help me, as an example, expand my horizon, expand my, my taste and what I wanted to see. ECW was barring my fire. great. Early TNA in 2002 was also really fantastic. But I've been a WWE guy for so long now. Like, I see a lot of people shit on WWE for the sake of shit on WWE, but it's like, You're shitting on it because you think it's bland. The wrestlers now, I don't give a fuck, are better than anything that come out of the Attitude Era in terms of wrestling-wise. The Attitude Era had bigger characters. But most of the characters you're not going to get away with here now. Val Venus Venus, and the Godfather are going to be tag champs in 2021? Yeah, cancel culture all the way, buddy. Fair.
0: But there are still the characters like Gangrel and, uh, you know, Steve Austin. Well, yeah, Steve Austin can still be Steve Austin, just not as foul mouth, well. I guess, these days. But he, I guess even then, still, like, watching the stuff he was saying, it wasn't so much foul-mouthed for the sake of being foul-mouthed. It was a... Um, rebellious foul mouth, if that
1: makes sense. Yeah, because it's not like he cursed much. No. Goddamn or something like that, right? It wasn't direct uh, you're uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. But it was always that Steve has to come out. So like the,
0: the worst thing he'd say is some bitch. Something like yeah. that,
1: right? And you can see that shit in the Bible. I suppose you can say it. It's fine.
0: Absolutely. Um, so we are at Almost fifty-three minutes here into the show.
1: Fuck! I've but never wrestled this long in my life. Yes, yes, you do. Yes, I do. Okay. Crossline. That's coming up with me. So this is uh, you uh, the. No the uh,
0: you uh, for. I believe it was New Evolution Wrestling, or was
1: this CEW? No, because uh, the second time we fought was CW because it was the North Atlantic, and this one was for the right. IP title.
0: Yes, uh, every time I wrestled for CEW, I wrestled you in the main event, in the title match.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> every time. I wonder who was booking there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, and we are going to press play in three, two, one, and look at the blonde Jesus.
1: I Watch actually, me and i make like, you look yeah, like yeah. <laughs> them. Yeah, I think that. that referee thing. looks
0: like some young stallion. Yeah, that looks like the young stallion there as the referee.
1: Way, uh, oh, oh my goodness. I love it. The generic indie black and red. Oh, oh like yeah. You know
0: it's a non-spacent either, uh, I just want those two,
1: uh, maybe, Brady. Uh, so you're just faster. You're just faster, you're just ducking them punches. I was like, if I'm wearing kick
0: pads, I might as well kick
1: them. I love it. Just, babe, if you got kick pads on, kick the fuck out of me. It's not like I'm going to feed you. I wish I had a piece of gum on my mouth that I could have spit out to make it look like a tooth when you oh, need me. God. I love how you do that. What's wrong with you? Something wrong. Imagine if I be big and angry. Something wrong with you comes out of my mouth. Pure nuke.
0: <laughs>
1: this was just after your match with Scott 2 out in uh, Bay Roberts, which was fantastic. Oh, yeah, that for sure one
0: of my favorite matches. Uh,
1: since How can they not like the greatness? Just look at this mountain of man. Ragdolls, Stevens, they called them.
0: <laughs> if they didn't, they did
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Love it. Get it! Get it, get it, get it, get it. it. Uh. Light the uh. <laughs> it's like this, stuff right there. If they not stopped counting, it would have been, get you the fuck off me. The second they start counting, oh, hit me, light me up, go, go. If they count to 100, hit me a 100, like. Oh, stumbles <laughs> I don't even think I was awake though, I think it was just body movements.
0: Yeah, that slip wasn't on purpose either. Oh. Yeah,
1: Zach took that. Zach. They mean Zach did that same spot a couple of shows before, I think. Going. And he was like, "I barely felt you." I was like, "That's cool," because there was a lot of weight on you.
0: <laughs> you're a you're a big boy.
1: <laughs> look, look at it's this. Especially, look at especially this. there. Come on, They "Is it a classic?" Oh, you moved. Oh, we, I always, always love that. And the ref tell you to stop. Just sit on them while they're against the ropes so the ref can't, because I'm so big, the ref can't see anyways. He definitely,
0: like, he definitely done that in our S.E.W. match.
1: Yeah. And the Warriors like, ran the look that look the colors actually around... aren't the same. Oh, yeah. Listen,
0: I always, like, big bad look This is around the time I was moved. I can't remember why I didn't wear the boots at this show. I think it was like hey,
1: I'm just gonna wear them one last night before I get rid of them. Oh looks so devastating.
0: Come
1: <laughs> on. <laughs> last back to happy dog. <laughs> one more time! Time to ruin the magic here now. I'm gonna ask you a question. Why did you not stop that? I remember when we talked about it, it was like the third third one you should need me in the nuts. (laughs) And then I went to you watched my legs fall, I was like, You never need me in the nuts. What the hell is this? (laughs) I was mad you didn't hit me in the (laughs) testicles. Oh, lighten them up. Get them. Chop that tree down.
0: <laughs> Just bounces off you. Jump. I love it. Get it. The
1: sound on that, dude. Shit. Oh, here. It is. And this is a gift in my phone. This off spot because I love having it. <laughs> Thanks, Jared. you going to do something.
0: I think that's the first time I ever actually hit that Superman punch. Uh, uh, hey,
1: is this that uh, one we're putting in the Magic of Wrestling podcast? Because if it is, I'll tell the story. And if it's not, I'll leave it alone. That
0: was two. That was two, Cameron. That was two. I mean...
1: Yeah, cause you jumped right into the fucking choke is <laughs> what happened. That's why you don't remember anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> what oh. did I do? A falling stand. Taking
0: the legs and everything. Right? Spaghetti legs. The spaghetti legs is probably one of my favorite. Uh, my favorite. I love spaghetti legs. Dead. Gone. Gone
1: and, and even, too. And even that there, just that little, it looked like that dominated you but Once that match was over, it was that little stagger from the punch that, oh, my jaw, like, yeah, no, Yeah, fuck it. I don't care. We're ruining the magic of wrestling. I don't really care. I remember that day, and I remember you come up to me, and we were talking about it. And I looked at you, and I was like, what's your finish? And you were like, I don't got one. I don't got one yet, anyways. So I was like, well, why do you want to get over it? I always wanted to try the Superman punch. I said, do it. Yeah, do it. I got so much shit out for that. Not by anybody particular, but of a generalization to everybody win. Buck Gotch should have never came off his feet by like, and it was just a punch in the face and blah, blah, blah. And I always stopped people. I was like, no, first off, if you want to play that rule, not only did he punch me in the face, he was after lighting me up with clotheslines. He after to me straight in the face and caught me off guard. So I always fought people. I was like, that makes sense that I came off the ground. The second fight was always, he fucking punched me and dropped Buck Gotch. If you want to play that game, that punch should drop every single person that hits now because it was just established that it's going to drop Buck And really a month stupid. later, how did we start our match a month later? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And how hot was that? And it was just like everybody thought it was done. At that point, then, two Superman punches later, that was fully established that if anybody said that's not believable, I'd show them that match and go, it's 100% fucking believable.
0: So there's and a match these days the only time that Superman punch doesn't beat somebody is if they fall out of the ring or if it's like they're too close to the ropes.
1: Then they're foot up. Well, that was like yeah. the buck bomb too for the longest while the buck bomb nobody ever kicked out of. Two people kicked out of that. Scott kicked out of it and Locke kicked out of it. And, and I, any other time you didn't kick out the buck bomb. You were hurt for the buck bomb, but it was a tables match.
0: That was the match. Kali gimmick, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Our second match, I hit you with the Superman, then you hit me with the buck bomb.
1: Oh shit! So you makes the uh, the triple threat of it then. Ooh, ooh, three even, count. Even fucking still. If anything, there's your inspiration. What inspired you to get Cameron over with a Superman punch and let him kick out of a buck bomb? <laughs>
0: Yeah, man, you—you uh, you were definitely one of the uh, one of the guys when I came out here who uh, definitely wanted to help me get uh, get better established here, and uh, it's very much appreciated. It's one of the reasons why you're one of the uh, guys I still talk to on a semi-regular basis. I don't talk to anybody on a regular basis, but semi-regular, yeah. <laughs>
1: That's it once every two weeks?
0: Yes, yes. Well, that's the thing, dad life, uh, it, it, uh, it keeps you busy, man. It's like, uh, I was originally planning on doing this podcast a half hour earlier, but, uh, <laughs> I was out for a walk with the kids.
1: <laughs> Your inspiration is going to be when they're old enough to hold the mic and the camera.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's definitely one of the, uh, inspirations going these days, man, for sure. It's, uh, you know, putting food on the table, getting the toys for the young ones, and getting shit took care of, you know?
1: Well, that's the main thing. Yeah.
0: If, uh, if I don't do nothing else, as long as I got that took care of, I'm good.
1: That's the main thing. No matter what. Like I say, when you first brought this up, we were talking about people that inspire you. The wives, the daughter, good, bad, or indifferent on what I do. Hmm. As long as they're the ones that I know are taking care of at the end of the night, no matter what I does, they're the ones inspire me to want to work, to to want to do better, and everything else just kind of follows suit. And if I don't have the support from them, and if I don't have the inspiration from them, I don't go wrestle. I don't go do the things that I want to do.
0: Yes, absolutely, and it's something that it's very difficult to. Um, it's a very difficult thing to describe if like it's kind of harder to understand if you're not in the position if that makes sense like until you're a parent or until you're a husband it's kind of difficult to understand the position you know what I mean like before uh, before I was a dad, before I was a husband, it was like, yeah, I bet that'd be like, obviously it's not going to be easy, but it's not going to be, you know, extreme, if that makes sense. But uh, no, no, it still is. Definitely
1: still
0: is. 100% still is. But that's all that's that's okay. Did I can't remember. I'm trying to I'm looking through my computer here, which is why I'm a little all over the place. Eyes wise, is I'm did I make a buck gotch logo?
1: If you did, it was many moon ago.
0: It was many moon ago. It was one of my first logos if I did. And I don't think we uh, we got it where we enjoyed it enough to actually keep it. Um,
1: Imagine. My last match was a year and a half ago.
0: And was that the four-way?
1: Yeah. Hey, I was in that.
0: Right? Yeah, you, me, Don, and uh,
1: Blake. The surprise opponent, Blake. Because I wasn't seeing him a mile away. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, I loves it. But uh, yeah, so is there anything, uh, anything, or anyone else you wanted to uh, shout out as an inspiration and influence on you over the uh, over the years, both whether prefer- personally or professionally?
1: In, in the generic sense of my dad and my mom. Like mom's passed away there now, but dad was always instilling stuff into me. Mom, before she passed, was always instilling stuff into me. Always wanting to do better, I, I I guess in terms of just the people that have shown that they believe in me, the people that have shown to want to be around and, and make that aspect of all aspects of my life, and not just they support me in wrestling, they don't support me in real life, or they support me in real life, but they never supported me. Say if I like playing Dungeons and Dragons, it was always anybody that always supported me when I was good, always talked me down when I was bad. Those are the people that kind of inspire me to try to, if not do better than to do status quo and try not to make other people's lives, try not to be a detriment to other people's lives. If I can't inspire somebody, I don't want to hinder. them.
0: Absolutely. I, uh, I, I love that, man. That's something that's, uh, that's a good way to be, man. I, I, uh, I love that. Um, with that being said, we're, what, hour and eight into this. Did you want to try to wrap it up here?
1: Yeah, might as well. Anything, I find a podcast where it goes over an hour where people get bored of our shit anyways.
0: <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, I'm going to give you your, uh, your time frame here to uh, push whatever the hell you want to push. Uh, so that is whether it's your podcast, your uh, if you have a merchandise gimmick on the go, whatever that a, may be.
1: I am always and will forever be a proper heel. I don't need to sell merch. Is
0: there anything uh, anywhere that people can find you? Uh, what's your uh, social medias? Your stuff like that.
1: The Twitter, the the Twitter, you know, because I'm that old to call it the Twitter. Uh, is at Ryan Buck 85. I do the wrestling show with Sleazy and the Fat Man. That's on the Gear Network and Spotify, it's probably on a bunch of other shit. I just don't remember it. I just know that's the two the checking on. I okay, know so they're on Spotify because I follow On Twitter, yeah.
0: Okay, so I've got it there on the bottom Ryan Buck 85 for Twitter, and your Instagram was which?
1: Uh, Ryan Buck gotch. Because I had to gel three things into one. My real name, my nickname, my work name.
0: <laughs> okay, so Ryan Buck Gotch for uh, Instagram. And that is the wrestling show.
1: With Sleazy and the Fat Man. We're actually, we're taping tonight too. Actually, it's funny. Oh, are you? Yeah, we tape on Tuesdays. And the show comes out on Saturday mornings.
0: So, it's Sleazy and the Fat Man,
1: right? C. C. Correct. Bocach trying to learn the devious ways of the masked man, spent the week in Portugal and learned just the word C.
0: Okay, so under uh, underneath us on this uh, little stream gimmick, I've got this uh, uh, little banner here, uh, and it's got the wrestling show with Sleazy and the Fat Man. Make sure to check that out. Uh, they'll be recording tonight. Uh, show Bucky some love, give him a follow on Twitter at RyanBuck85, give him a follow on Instagram at RyanBuckGotch, and don't forget, while you're showing Bucky some love, show me some love, damn it. You've been watching my show for over an hour. You might as well show me some love too, and you go to uh, linktree slash TSP Cameron Stevens for that, and when you go to that link, you will be finding Everything that I do, all of it, it's it's great. It's a one-stop shop for all Cameron Stevens. You find my website, you find my stores, which is Pro Wrestling Tees and Tee Public, um, and Bucky. They got your sizes on there too. Don't you worry. Yes. Yeah, they, they got all all kinds of sizes on Pro Wrestling Tees, brother. Don't you worry. I got twenty options on that mug. Ooh. I've got all my uh, social medias linked on there, Uh, certain brands that I'm attached to. I've got my NEW profile attached to my Linktree. And I also have my uh, graphic design work uh, attached to that, as well as my family's uh, stuff. So Coden and Dika and our cats all have their own uh, things that they do online, and that's all linked on my Linktree as well. Um, Buck, is there anything you wanted to uh, to say before we uh, close this out?
1: Uh, I mean, like, I feel like we shouldn't not represent Riley Puttester in City of Legends. See? <laughs> Riley I feel in like City of Legends, the man. Absolutely. Specifically have to name drop him. That's all. Yeah,
0: uh, Riley is absolutely amazing. He is one of the biggest supporters for Newfoundland Wrestling out here um, I mean if I was going to name drop all the biggest influence like all the biggest supporters of Newfoundland Wrestling we'd be here all day um, all of you know who you are um, uh, but yeah City of Legends check that out uh, buy his stuff uh, he's one of the good ones I uh, as is Buck Gotch. He is one of the good ones. Absolutely love him. Uh, show us all some love. Give us the follows. And uh, while you're checking my stuff out, buy a t-shirt. While you're there, why not? You can pick up an NEW one. Pick up a me one. Pick up a Javen one if you want. Hey, you could, even, you could pick up a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt. A Kenny Omega shirt. A New Evolution Wrestling shirt and a Cameron Stevens shirt, all in the same order.
1: Now that's diverse.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys. Boys, girls. Uh, include them all. Uh, animals, uh, creatures. Robots. Things, beings. Toasters. Everybody, uh, Thank you for watching. Thank you for joining us here on Love Wrestling. Thank you uh, all of the Love Wrestling guys for helping us uh, make this podcast a reality. And uh, a big thank you to all of our uh, inspirations. uh, The ones who showed us what professional wrestling was and what got us uh, not only through our struggles in life, but into the professional wrestling industry where... Uh, we have met so many great people, uh, much like each other.
1: All love, brother.
0: All the love in the world. Have a great day, everybody, and uh, peace out.